Hey, I'm doing like a bonus episode and one that I hope that you like. I picked up this book from Five and Below and it is a very miniature um, book of the seven spiritual laws of success by Deepak Chopra. Um, I'm probably saying his last name wrong, but that book is really amazing. Um, it's a really good book, um, but this was like a miniature version. This says one hour of wisdom so i'm gonna go ahead and read it to you i am not a professional reader so therefore you might hear me make mistakes but take in the information that is providing again it's by deepak chakra the seven spiritual laws of success a pocketbook guide to fulfilling your dreams let's see let's go to the introduction this book is titled The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, but it could also be called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Life because these are the same principles that nature uses to create everything in material existence, everything we can see, hear, smell, taste, or touch. When this knowledge is incorporated in our consciousness, it gives us the ability to create unlimited wealth with effortless ease and to experience success in every endeavor. Success in life can be defined as the continued expansion of happiness and the progressive realization of our worthy goals. There are many aspects to success. Material wealth is only one of them. Moreover, success is a journey, not a destination. Material abundance in all its expressions happens to, be, happens to make the journey more enjoyable. But success includes good health, energy and enthusiasm for life, fulfilling relationships, creative freedom, and a sense of well-being. Success is the ability to fulfill our desires with effortless ease. And yet success, including the creation of wealth, has always been considered to be a process that requires hard work and it is often considered to be at the expense of others. We need a more spiritual approach to success and to affluence which is the abundant flow of all good things to us. In spiritual terms, success is measured by how efficiently, how effortlessly we co-create with the universe. Hard work, struggle, and frustration are the opposite of what the ancient sages taught. They knew that spirit lies at the source of all achievement in life. They always begin at the source, and they define the source as a pure potentiality, which is purely unmanifest consciousness. The beauty of being at the source is the power resides there, the power of our inner being, the power of our spirit. In every seed lies the promise of a forest. Unseen energy flows into material manifestation. The physical laws of the universe are actually the process by which the unmanifest, unknown, and invisible is transformed into the manifest, known, and visible. Our most cherished desires are pure consciousness seeking expression from the unmanifest to the manifest. And if we give our deeper instincts a chance, success in life is not only possible, but inevitable. With the knowledge and practice of the seven spiritual laws, we align with nature's intelligence and our dreams and desires are easily fulfilled. When we understand these laws and apply them in our lives, anything we want can be created. Now, um, the seven um, laws that we're going to go over is the law of pure potentiality. I struggle saying that word. The law of giving and receiving. That's number two. Number three is the law of karma or cause and effect. Number four, the law of least effort. Number five, the law of intention and desire. Number six, the law of detachment. Number seven, the law of dharma or purpose in life. So we're going to go on to the first law, the law of pure potentiality. In the beginning, there was neither existence nor non-existence. All this world was unmanifest energy. This is from Hymn of Creation, the Rig Veda. So starting with the first law, the law of pure potentiality. The first spiritual law of success, the law of pure potentiality, says that our essential state is one of pure potentiality. potentiality. Pure potentiality is pure consciousness. It is the field of all possibilities and infinite creativity. Our physical body, the physical universe, 
Everything in the material world comes from the same place, a field of silent, unmoving awareness from which anything is possible. There is no separation between this field of energy and our spiritual essence, ourself. The field is our own self. And when we know that our essential nature is one of pure potentiality, we align with the power that manifests everything in the universe. Knowing who we really are gives us the ability to fulfill any dream we had because the same field that nature uses to create a forest, a galaxy, or a human body can also bring about the fulfillment of our desires. Anything is possible in the field of pure potentiality because this field is the source of all power, all intelligence, and infinite organizing ability. Therefore, success in life depends on knowing who we really are. When our internal reference point is our spirit, our true self, we experience all the power of our spirit. When our internal reference point is the ego or self-image, we feel cut off from our source and we uncertainty and the uncertainty of events creates fear and doubt. The ego is influenced by objects outside the self, circumstances, people, and things. It thrives on the approval of others. It wants to control because it lives in fear. But the ego is not who we really are. The ego is our social mask. It is the role we are playing. The need for approval, the need to control things, and the need for external power are fear-based. This kind of power is not the power of pure potentiality. The power of self are true powers. And let me say that again. The power of the self or true power. So I want to read that again for anybody who's really into this. This kind of power, the need for approval, the need to control things, and the need for external power are fear-based. This kind of power is not the power of pure potentiality, the power of the self, or true power. Self-power is true power because it is based on the laws of nature and it comes from knowledge of the self. Self-power draws things that we want to us. It magnetizes people, situations, and things to support our desires. This support from the laws of nature is the state of grace. When we are in harmony with nature, we create a bond between our own desires and the power to make these desires materialize. How can you experience the law of pure potentiality? One way is through the practice of silence and meditation. This means tuning out the world and taking time to simply be. In the Bible is the expression, be still and know that I am God. Stillness is the first requirement for manifesting your desires because in stillness you connect with the field of pure awareness and infinite organizing power. Imagine throwing a little stone into a still pond and watch it ripple. That's what you do when you go into silence and introduce your intention. Even the faintest intentions ripples across the field of universal consciousness that connects your desire with everything else. This field can orchestrate an infinity of details for you. But if your mind is like a turbulent ocean, you could throw the Empire State Building into it and you wouldn't notice the thing. Practicing non-judgment is another way to experience the law of pure potentiality. When you are constantly judging things as right or wrong, good or bad, you create a lot of turbulence in your internal dialogue. The turbulent constricts the flow of energy between you and the field of pure potentiality. And the silent space between your thoughts is a state of pure awareness, an inner stillness that connects you to true power. Through the practice of non-judgment, you silence your mind and access your inner stillness. Another way to experience the law of pure potentiality is to spend time in nature. By observing nature, you begin to sense the harmonious interaction of all the elements and forces of life. The lavish display of abundance in the universe is an expression of the creative mind of nature. Just by tuning into the mind of nature, you will access the field of pure potentiality and infinite creativity and spontaneously receive creative thoughts. Whether it be a stream, a forest, a mountain, 
or the sea. Connecting with nature's intelligence will give you a sense of unity with all of life and help you get to help you get in touch with the innermost essence of your being. This essence is full of magic and mystery. It is fearless. It is free. When you are grounded in the knowledge of your true self, you never feel fearful or insecure about money or fulfilling your desires. You never feel guilty about wanting or having an abundance of anything because you realize that the essence of all material wealth is life energy. You know that your desires are inseparably connected with everything else. Your very desire is not your own. It's an evolutionary impulse coming through you. So why would you doubt it? That impulse is part of the greater pattern, which is to grow and evolve into greater abundance and creativity. The law of pure potentiality says that you are consciousness itself, but both as it manifests into the material world and as it lies unmanifest in your being. With the knowledge and practice of this law, you can put yourself in harmony with nature and create the carefreeness, joy, and love. Wherever you go in the midst of activity, carry your stillness within you. Then the the chaotic activity around you will never overshadow your access to the field of pure potentiality. To experience the law of pure potentiality, take time each day to be silent, to connect with your spirit, to just be. Practice non-judgment. Begin each day with the statement, Today, I shall judge nothing that occurs. And throughout the day, remind yourself of that statement each time you catch yourself judging. Commune with nature. Silently observe the intelligence within everything. Watch a sunset. Listen to the sound of the ocean. Or simply smell the scent of a flower. Now we move on to Law 2 of Giving and Receiving. The infinite gifts come to me only on those very small bands of mine. Ages pass and still though purest, and still there is room to fill. Uh, Robin Dradab Tagore Gitanjali. I'm probably sure I messed up that word. Anyway, we're moving on to phase two, the law of giving and receiving. The second spiritual law of success The law of giving and receiving is based on the fact that everything in the universe operates through dynamic exchange. Every relationship is one of give and take because giving and receiving are different aspects of the flow of energy in the universe. If we stop the flow of energy, we interfere with nature's intelligence. We must give and receive in order to keep money or or anything we want circulating in our lives. Currency, our word for money, derives from a Latin word meaning to run or flow. Money is a symbol of the life energy we give, the life energy we receive as a result of the service we provide to others. Like a river, money must keep flowing, otherwise it begins to clog and stagnate. Circulation keeps it alive and vital. If we stop the circulation of life energy, if our intention is to hold on to our money and hoard it, we stop its circulation back into our lives. The intention behind our giving and receiving is the most important thing. When the act of giving is joyful, when it is unconditional and from the heart, then the energy behind the giving increases many times over. But if we give grudgingly, There is no energy behind that giving. If we feel we have lost something through the act of giving, then the gift is not truly given and will not cause increase. The law of giving and receiving is simple. If you want love, learn to give love. If you want attention and appreciation, learn to give attention and appreciation. If you want material affluence, help others to become materially affluent. If you want to be blessed with all the good things in life, learn to silently bless everyone with all the good things in life. The more you give, the more you will receive. In your willingness to give that which you seek, you will keep the abundance of the universe circulating in your life. Abundance has material expression, but what is really circulating is consciousness. Even the thought of giving, the thought of blessing, or a simple prayer as has the power to affect others. We are bundles of thought and thinking universe, and thought has the power to transform.
the best way to experience the law of giving and receiving is to give a gift to everyone you come into contact with. This doesn't have to be in the form of material things. The gifts of caring, affection, appreciation, and love are some of the most precious gifts you can give, and they don't cost you anything. One of the things I was taught as a child is never to go into anyone's house without bringing a gift. You may say, how can I give to others when I don't have enough myself? You can bring a note that says something about your feelings for the person you're visiting. You can bring a flower, a compliment, or a prayer. Whenever you meet someone, silently send that person a blessing. This kind of silent giving is very powerful. Give wherever you go, and as you give, you will receive. As you receive, the more your ability to give will increase, and the more you will gain confidence in the, the miraculous efforts or effects of this law. There is nothing you lack because your essential nature is one of pure potentiality and infinite possibilities. You are inherently affluent no matter how much or how little money you had because the source of all wealth is the field of pure potentiality that knows how to fill every need. Giving and receiving are nothing other than the flow of life. The harmonious interaction of all the elements and forces that structure the field of existence. The exchange of energy is a process that has its own timing, organization, and beauty. Your life unfolds in the same way. Everything that comes to you isn't something you earn, but a gift freely given by the universe, which means it comes from a deep awareness of what you need. Think of all the things that have been freely given to you without you having to ask for them. Just experiencing gratitude allows you to participate in the law of giving and receiving. Nature supports your every need and desire, including your need for joy, love, laughter, harmony, and knowledge. Seek these things first, not only for yourself, but for others, and all else will spontaneously, spontaneously come to you. To experience the law of giving and receiving, give a gift to everyone you encounter, be it a compliment, a flower, or a prayer. This will begin the process of circulating joy and affluence in your life and the lives of others. Carefully receive every gift that life offers you. Be open to receiving whether it be a material gift from others or a compliment or prayer. Silently wish everyone you encounter happiness, joy, and laughter. By giving and receiving the gifts of caring, affection, appreciation, and love, you will keep wealth circulating in your life. Mm. That is something I want to hold on to. Um, now we go to law three, the law of karma and cause and effect. Whew. I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, law three, the third spiritual law of success is the law of karma or cause and effect. Karma is both action and the consequence of that action. Everyone has heard the expression, what you sow is what you reap. If we want to create happiness in our lives, we must learn to sow the seeds of happiness. Therefore, the law of karma implies the action of consciousness choice making. When we choose actions that bring happiness and success to others, the fruit of our karma is happiness and success. That's a word. And every moment we have access to an infinity of choices. Some choices are made consciously while others are made unconsciously. Unfortunately, a lot of our choices are made unconsciously and therefore we don't think they are choices and yet they are. As a result of conditioning, our choices are often triggered by people and circumstances into predictable outcomes. If I were to insult you, you would most likely make the choice of being offended. If I were to pay you a compliment, you would most likely make the choice of being flattered. But think about it. You can make the choice of not being offended by an insult. You can make the choice of not letting a compliment flatter you either. The best way to use karmic law is to step back and witness the choices you are making in every moment. When you make any choice, ask yourself two things. What are the consequences of this choice? And will the choice I'm making bring happiness to me and to those around me? There is always a choice. There is, sorry, there is always one choice that will create maximum happiness both for you and for those around you this choice is the spontaneous right action because it's the action that nourishes you and everyone else who's influenced by that action 
I want to read that again. This choice is the spontaneous right action. Because of the action that nourishes you and everyone else who is influenced by that action. Okay. How do you make spontaneous right choices? Great. The question I had is on the next page. <laughs> By paying attention to sensations of comfort or discomfort in your body. At the moment you make a choice, ask your body, what are the consequences of this choice? If your body sends a message of comfort, that's the right choice. If you feel uneasiness in your body, even as you ask the question, then it's not the appropriate choice. For some people, the message of comfort or discomfort is in the area of the solar plexus. But for most people, it's the area of the heart. Put your attention on your heart and ask your heart what to do. Then pay attention to how you feel. The response may be the faintest level of feeling, but it's there. You will know the answer is right because you will feel right without any lingering doubts. The heart knows the correct answer because it taps into the field of pure potentiality and infinite organizing power and takes everything into account. The heart is intuitive and holistic. It has a win-win orientation. And though the answer may not seem rational, the heart is far more accurate than anything within the realm of rational thought. You can use the law of karma to create money and the flow of all good things to you. But first, become aware of the choices that you are making in every moment. The more you become aware of your choices, the more you will make choices that are spontaneously correct, both for you and for those around you. How can you apply the law of karma to the choices you've already made? Most people pay their karmic debts unconsciously, of course. Sometimes there's a lot of suffering involved, but the law of karma says no debt in the universe ever goes unpaid. If you wanted to transform your karma into a more desirable experience, look for the seed of opportunity within every adversity and tie that seed of opportunity to your dharma, the purpose in life. This will enable you to convert that the adversity into a benefit and transform the karma into a new expression. Begin by asking yourself, what message is the universe giving me? What can I learn from this experience? And how can I make it useful to my fellow human beings? For example, if you break your leg while playing sports, perhaps the message is that you need to slow down and be more attentive to your body. And if your purpose in life is to teach others, then by asking, what can I learn from this experience and how can I make it useful to my fellow human beings? You may decide to share what you've learned by writing a book about playing sports safely. This transforms your karma into a positive experience. You can also transcend the seeds of your karma by becoming independent of it. The way to do this is to keep experiencing the self, your spirit, by going into silent meditation and coming out again. This is like washing a dirty piece of cloth in a stream of water. Each time you wash it, you take, it a few, you take away a few stains and it gets a little cleaner. Every action is a karmic episode because action generates memory, memory generates desire, and desire generates action again. As you become conscious of these seeds of manifestation, you become a conscious choice maker, and the actions you generate will, evolutionary, will be evolutionary. As long as karma is evolutionary, both for you and for those around you, then the fruit of karma will be happiness and success. Two, experience law of karma, because they basically summarize it at the end. So bullet point one, witness the choices you make in every moment. The best way to prepare for any moment in the future is to be fully conscious in the present. Number two, whenever you make a choice, ask yourself two questions. What are the consequences of this choice? And will this choice bring happiness to me and to those who are affected by this choice? Number three, ask your heart for guidance and be guided by its message of comfort or discomfort. If the choice feels comfortable, go ahead with that choice. If the choice feels uncomfortable, then don't make that choice. Now we move on to law four, the law of least effort. The law of least, least effort, the fourth spiritual law of success, the law of least effort is based on the fact that nature's intelligence functions with effortless ease, with carefreeness, harmony, and love. This is the principle of do less and accomplish more. When we learn this lesson from nature, we easily fulfill our desires. 
If we observe nature at work, we see that the least effort is expended. Grass doesn't try to grow, it just grows. Fish don't try to swim, they just swim. This is their intru intrinsic, intrinsic nature, sorry. This is their intrinsic nature. It is the nature of the sun to shine. It is the human nature to make our dreams manifest into physical form easily and effortlessly. What is commonly called a miracle is actually an expression of the law of least effort. Least effort is expended when our actions are motivated by love because nature is held together by the energy of love. When we seek power and control over other people, we spend energy in a wasteful way. When we seek money for personal gain only, we cut off the flow of energy to ourselves and interfere with the expression of nature's intelligence. We waste our energy chasing the illusion of happiness instead of enjoying happiness in the moment. Attention to the whims of the ego consumes the greatest amount of energy, but when our internal reference point is our spirit, our actions are motivated by love and there is no waste of energy. Our energy multiplies and the surplus energy we gather can be channeled to create anything we want, including unlimited wealth. When we harness the power of harmony and love, we use our energy creatively for the experience of effluence and evolution. How can you put the law of least effort into action? There are three things you can do. The first thing is to accept people's situation and events as they are, not as you wish they were in this moment. Now that's... This moment is as it should be because it took the entire universe to make this moment when you struggle against this moment you struggle against the entire universe you can intend for things to be different in the future but in this moment accept things as they are the second thing is to take responsibility for your situation and for all the events you see as problems this means not blaming anyone or anything for your situation including yourself Responsibility means the ability to have a creative response to the situation as it is now. All problems contain the seeds of opportunity, and this awareness allows you to take the moment and transform it into a better situation. If you do this, every upsetting situation becomes an opportunity for the creation of something new and beautiful. Every tormentor or tyrant becomes your teacher. The relationships you have attracted in your life are precisely the ones you need at this moment. There is a hidden meaning behind all events that is serving your own evolution. And if you choose to interpret reality in this way, then you will have many teachers and many opportunities to evolve. The third way to put the law of least effort into action is to practice defenselessness. This means relinquishing the need to convince others of your point of view. Oh my gosh. Woo! By doing this, you can again access to enormous, you can gain access to enormous amounts of energy that has previously been wasted. When you have no point to defend, you stop fighting and resisting, and you can fully experience the present, which is a gift. When you embrace the present, you begin to experience the spirit within everything that is alive, and joy is born within you. As you drop the burden of defensiveness and resentment, you become lighthearted, joyous, and free. In this joyful, simple freedom, you will know that what you want is available to you whenever you want it. Because your want is coming from a state of happiness, not from a state of anxiety and fear. Mm. The law of least effort assures us that there is always a simple, natural path to fulfillment. Nature's intelligence unfolds spontaneously through the path of least effort and no resistance. This is the way that you can lead to. When you combine acceptance, responsibility, and defenselessness, your life flows with effortless ease. Your dreams and desires flow with nature's desires. Then you can release your intentions without attachment. And when the season is right, your desires will blossom into reality. Mm, Y'all hear that? To experience the law of least effort. Here's the bullet points. Accept people's circumstances and events as they are in this moment. Confront with any challenge. Confront it with any challenge. Remind yourself, this moment is as it should be. 
because the entire universe is as it should be. Bullet point three, take responsibility for your situation without blaming anything or anyone, including yourself. Every problem is an opportunity to take this moment and transform it into a greater benefit. And the last bullet point, relinquish the need to defend your point of view. In defenselessness, you remain open to all points of view, not rigidly attached to one of them. Now we move on to law five, the law of intention and desire. I'm excited about this one. Let's get into it. The fifth spiritual law of success, the law of intention and desire says that our intentions and desires when released in the field of pure potentiality have infinite organizing power. Just by introducing an intention in the fertile ground of pure potentiality, we activate this field and put this infinite organizing power to work for us. This isn't a mystical notion. Every time we have a desire to walk or lift our arms, our intentions incites millions of chemical reactions and electrical impulses that obey fixed laws of nature. The fifth spiritual law says that inherent in every desire are the mechanics for its fulfillment and this mechanics applies to desires reaching far beyond the physical body energy and information exist everywhere in nature at the level of pure consciousness there is nothing other than energy and information this means there are no well-defined edges between our physical body and our extended body the universe we can consciously change the energy and information of our own body and influence. The energy and information of our extended body, our environment, and cause things to manifest in it. Let me read that again because my mind started to drift while I was reading. We can consciously change the energy and information of our own body and influence the energy and information of our extended body, universe, our environment, and cause these things to manifest in it. The change is brought about by two qualities inherent. The change is brought about by two qualities inherent in consciousness, attention and intention. Attention energizes and intention transforms. I like that. Let's read that again. This change is brought on about two This change is brought about by two qualities inherent. Inherent in consciousness sorry attention and intention attention energizes intention transforms whatever we put our attention on grows stronger in our life whatever we take our attention away from withers and disappears intention triggers and transformation of energy or intention triggers the transformation of energy and information and organizes its own fulfillment the quality of intention on the object of attention orchestrates an infinity of details to bring about the intended outcome. We see the expression of this organizing power in every blade of grass. Ooh, these words are um, playing, playing tricks on my tongue. Okay. We see this expression of organizing power in every blade of grass, in every flower, in everything that is alive. In the scheme of nature, everything is connected and correlated with everything else. The groundhog comes out of the earth and we know it is going to be spring. Birds begin to migrate in a certain direction at a certain time of the year. Nature is a symphony that is silently orchestrated at the ultimate ground of creation. As long as we do not violate the other laws of nature, we can use conscious intent to literally command the powers of nature to fulfill our dreams and desires. Intention is the real power behind desire because it is desire without attachment to the outcome. Mm, that's important. Intention is the real power behind desire because it is desire without attachment to the outcome. Desire in most people is attention with attachment to the outcome but when we combine intention with detachment our intent is for the future while our attention is in the present present moment awareness is powerful because the future is created by our actions in the present we cannot take action in the past or in the future past and future are born in the imagination only the present 
which is awareness, is real and internal. Oof, that's deep. Only the present, which is awareness, is real and internal. If we practice present moment awareness, then the imaginary obstacles, which are more than 90% of the obstacles. Okay, let's say that again. If we practice present moment awareness, then the imaginary obstacles, which are more than 90% of the obstacles, disappear. The remaining obstacles can be transformed into opportunities through one pointed intention. This means holding on this means holding our attention to the intended outcome with such unbending purpose that we refuse to allow obstacles to consume our attention. Mm. Or to dissipate the focused quality of our attention. This is the power of focused intention and detachment simultaneously. Oof. How can you harness the power of intention to fulfill your dreams and desires? You can get results through effort, but if you follow these five steps in the law of intention and desire, your intention will generate its own power. So pay attention. Number one, center yourself in the silent space between thoughts and the essential state of being. Number two, release your intentions and desires with the expectation that they will bloom when the season is right. Number three. Keep your desires to yourself. Do not share them with anyone else unless they are closely bonded with you. Number four, relinquish your attachment to the outcome. And five, let the universe handle the details. Remember, your true nature is one of, your, uh, one of pure potentiality. You don't need to look at yourself through the eyes of the world or allow yourself to be influenced by the opinions of others. Remain established in the awareness of your true self. Carry the awareness of your spirit wherever you go. Gently release your desires and the universe will orchestrate all the details for you. Okay, here come the bullet points. The, to experience the law of intention and desire. Bullet point number one. Make a list of your intentions and desires and look at the list before you go into silence, before you go to sleep at night, and when you wake up in the morning. Bullet number two, release your desires to the field of pure potentiality, trusting it to handle all the details for you. Know that when things don't seem to go your way, there is a reason. Number three, practice present moment awareness in all your actions. Refuse to allow obstacles to consume your attention in the present moment. Now we move on to law six. So we're getting closer to law seven. So law six, the law of detachment. The sixth spiritual law of success, the law of detachment, says that the way to acquire anything in the universe is to relinquish our attachment to it. This doesn't mean we give up the intention to create our desire we don't give up the intention and we don't give up the desire we give up our attachment to the outcome the moment we combine one point of intention with detachment to the outcome we will have the we will have that which we desire sorry crap my back is hurting i gotta readjust myself I hope you can hear me. I'll put it like this. Anything we want can be acquired through detachment because detachment is based on the unquestioning belief in the power of the self. The source of wealth or of anything in the physical world is the self. The field of pure potentiality that knows how to manifest everything. All we need to do is nurture our deepest intentions in our heart and go with the flow. Detachment comes from an inner knowing that we are a pattern of behavior of a higher intelligence. When things don't seem to go our way, we can let go of our idea of how things should be. We know that in our unlimited awareness, we cannot see the synchronistic, harmonious patterns of the universe of which we and our intentions are a part. Attachment, on the other hand, implies doubt and distrust in nature's intelligence and its infinite organizing power. Attachment is the melodrama of the ego because it is based on fear and insecurity, and this comes from not realizing the power of self. 
Those who seek security chase it for a lifetime without ever finding it because security can never come from a material wealth alone. People say when I have a million dollars, then I'll financially then I'll be financially independent and then I'll be secure. But it never happens. Attachment to money and security only creates insecurity no matter how much money we have in the bank. Attachment to the symbols of wealth, cars, house, banknotes creates anxiety because the symbols are transitionary or transitory. They come and go. When we exchange ourselves for the symbols of our self, we end up feeling empty inside. I guess the money cards and houses and banknotes is the symbol of self or represents the symbol of self. The search for security is actually an attachment to certainty, to the known, and the known, to the known, and the known is the prison of our past conditioning. Ooh, freedom from our past lies in the wisdom of uncertainty. Without uncertainty, life is just the repetition of outworn memories. There is no evolution in that. And when there is no evolution, there is stagnation, entropy, and decay. In ancient wisdom traditions, the solutions to this dilemma lies in our willingness to detach from the known, step into the unknown, and surrender our desires to the creative mind that orchestrates the dance of the universe. The unknown is the field of all possibilities, ever fresh, ever new, always open to the creation of new manifestations. This field can orchestrate an infinity of space-time events to bring about the outcome intended. But when our intention gets locked into a rigid mindset, we lose the fluidity, flexibility, and creativity inherent in the field. That's true. Attachment to a specific outcome freezes our desire into a rigid framework. And this interferes with the whole process of creation. The true consciousness is the ability to have everything, oh sorry, the true wealth consciousness is the ability to have anything we want, anytime we want, with the least effort. Detachment is simultaneous, I'm sorry, synonymous with wealth consciousness. Detachment is synonymous with wealth consciousness because the, because with a detachment, there is freedom to create. Okay. Um, how can we create when we're clinging and grasping and full of anxiety? Yeah, that's a good question. How? We don't need to have a complete and rigid idea of what we'll be doing next week or next year. Because if we get rigidly attached to that idea, then we shut out our whole range of possibilities. The law of detachment does not interfere with goal setting. We still have the intention of going in a certain direction, but between point A and point B, there are infinite possibilities. With uncertainty factored in, we might change direction if we find a higher ideal or if we find something more exciting. When we experience uncertainty, we're on the right path, and it's the fertile ground of pure creativity and freedom. How can you apply the law of detachment? Begin by practicing detached involvement. This means whenever you encounter a problem, you stay grounded in the wisdom of uncertainty while expectantly waiting for a solution to emerge. If you remain detached, you won't feel compelled to force solutions on problems. This enables you to stay alert to opportunities and what, and then what emerges, something powerful and exciting. I love that. I'm going to say that again. If you remain detached, you won't feel compelled to force solutions on problems. This enables you to stay alert to opportunities, and then what emerges is something powerful and exciting. The state of alert preparedness in the present meets with your goals and intentions and allows you to seize the opportunity within every problem you have in your life. Every problem is the seed of opportunity for some greater benefit. Once you have this perception, a whole range of possibilities open up and this keeps the wonder and the, the it keeps the wonder and the excitement alive. Only by practicing detached involvement can you have joy and laughter. Then wealth is created spontaneously and effortlessly.
The word universe means one song. Your every intention or heart's desire is like a melody in nature's symphony. All you have to do is sing your song. A Rumi poem says, I want to sing like birds sing, not worrying who's listening or what they think. If you can sing your song with that attitude, you are practicing in the law of detachment and nothing will be able to stop the force of your intentions. Relinquish your attachment to the known, step into the unknown, and experience all the fun, mystery, and magic of what may occur in the field of all possibilities. When your preparedness meets opportunity, a solution will spontaneously appear and benefits you and all those around you. What is commonly called good luck is nothing but preparedness and opportunity coming together. This is the perfect recipe for a success and it is based on the law of detachment. All right, here's the bullet points. Bullet point number one, to experience the law of detachment, practice detached involvement. Stay alert to the opportunity within every problem by letting go of your idea of how things should be. Accept uncertainty as an essential part of your experience and your willingness to accept uncertainty. Solutions will spontaneously appear and remain open to all possibilities and enjoy every moment in the journey of your life all the fun mystery and magic in the field of pure potentiality and finally move on to seven i only have a 60 minute math maximum for this so i want to speed this up a bit so the law of dharma or purpose in life the seven spiritual law of success the law of dharma or purpose in life says that we are spiritual beings who have taken physical form to fulfill a purpose everyone has a purpose in life a unique gift a special talent to give to others and for every unique talent and expression of that talent there are also unique needs when we blend this unique talent with service to others we experience the ecstasy and exaltation of our spirit this is the goal of all goals there are three components to the law of dharma the first component says that each of us is here to discover our true self to find out what we are spiritual that we are spiritual beings our divinity is in disguise the second component of the law of dharma says that each of us has a unique talent that we are here to express our talent is so unique that no one else alive has that talent or that expression of that talent when we are expressing our unique talent or more than one talent in many cases we are happy and we lose track of time the third component of the law of Dharma says that we are here to serve our fellow human beings with our talent by asking the question, how can I help all those who, with whom I can come in, who I come in contact with? We combine the expression of our unique talent with service to humanity and make full use of the law of Dharma. It actually says, how can I help all those with whom I come into contact? We combine the expression of our unique talent with the service to humanity and make a full and make full use of the law of dharma the experience of our spirituality coupled with expression of our talent and service to humanity gives us access to unlimited abundance this is the spark that generates abundance and it's permanent not temporary because this is the real way abundance is achieved by asking the question how can i help instead of what's in it for me we go beyond the internal dialogue of the ego into the domain of spirit and the part of our awareness uh, where we experience the universal universality universal oh my gosh universe experience our universality whatever the law of dharma implies more than seeking work that we love it implies our unique destiny our place to the cosmic plan it implies a shift in consciousness that begins when we align ourselves with our highest vision and become the manifestation of that vision the force that serves as a bridge to such transformation is known as dharma first comes the moment when we realize that life cannot succeed without vision then we arrived at the biggest mystery of all what is the meaning of our lives and the scheme of the universe the root of the word dharma in sanskrit sanskrit gives us a valuable clue it means to uphold 
we know we've become part of the cosmic plan when the universe upholds and supports us. The seven spiritual laws of success brings the preceding six laws to fruition for when we master the law of Dharma, the whole universe is on our side. Every law and power of nature comes to our aid and supports us spontaneously. Self-exploration isn't a task we accomplish and then abandon. Every person is a never-ending project of the universe. We are like ships in the night and the current that holds us up and carries us towards the dawn is Dharma. If we open our spiritual eyes and see through the illusion of the conditioning, of our conditioning, then the path of Dharma beckons us. It was all, it was there all along and is there now in this very moment calling out from the depths of our own awareness. If you want to experience the law of Dharma, there are several things you can do. The first is to seek your higher self through spiritual practice and discover your divinity. The second is to find your unique talents. And the third is to serve humanity with the expression of your talents. If money was no concern and you had all the time in the world, what would you do? If you could... If you would still do what you currently do, then you are in Dharma because you have passion for what you do. How are you best suited to serve humanity? Answer that question. Put it into practice and you can generate all the wealth that you want. When your creative expression matches the needs of your fellow humans, wealth spontaneous flows, spontaneously flows from the realm of the spirit to the world of form. You begin to experience your life in a miraculous expression of divinity, not just occasionally, but all the time. And you will know true joy and true meaning of success, the ecstasy and exaltation of your own spirit. Sorry, I'm like trying to read fast because I only got 10 minutes. All right, here's the bullet points. To experience the law of Dharma, nurture the divinity within you, the spirit animating your body and mind by carrying the consciousness of timeless being in the midst of time-bound experience. Two, make a list of your unique talents. Then list all the things you love to do while expressing these talents. And number three, ask yourself daily, how can I help? How can I serve? The answers to those questions will help you to serve your fellow human beings with love. And I can't read. The last section is called Afterwards. The most important thing that I wanted to get out was these seven spiritual laws. I wish I could really dive into it. Um, but I thought this was a great little book. Um, I feel like sometimes he's just like at this level that I haven't yet reached. And he has this way of words that I'm like, I'm trying to just like, I'm really trying to grasp. But the there was a lot of gems in what I read. And maybe there was something that sparked something within you. And that's the only reason why I read this book. So it's Deepak Chopra, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. This is a very, very miniaturized uh, version of it. I got it from Five and Below. And um, I hope you enjoyed it. If you really want the book, go to Amazon and look it up. Get the full book. Um, it's a read. Um, and sometimes you may have to read things more than once, as you see I did. But it's definitely worth it, especially if you are open. Um, and you're starting your spiritual journey. I think this was this is a really good start here. So, hope you enjoyed it. Bye!